Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Lisa Stone and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to season 11 of the Parenting Aces podcast, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, coming at you from California. It's a gorgeous day, but I have been relegated to the outer limits of my house to record today. So pardon the uh, fuzzy uh, video portion this week. And I hope that our next episode, I'll be back at my desk with my better equipment. But for now, I want to just let you know that we are discussing college recruiting in terms of camps and showcases. What's the difference? What should your child be doing? And when should they be doing it? We have with us Coach Ryan Carney, who is a current college tennis coach, but also runs Collegiate Exposure Camps, one of our partners here at Parenting Aces. And he is going to be talking about their upcoming camps at University of Pennsylvania this summer, and also talk a little bit about the camp that they held at the USTA National Campus back in December. So I hope that if you have a child who is a rising eighth through 12th grader, that you get some very useful information out of this episode that will help you make some good decisions in terms of what types of events and camps your child should be attending to maximize their recruiting experience. Before I bring Ryan on, I want to just remind you, if you're not already, we'd love for you to become a premium member of Parenting Aces. Just go to parentingaces.com, click on the join button, easy peasy. Also, reminder that we do offer one-on-one consultations. I would love to meet up with you via Zoom and help answer any questions or concerns that you have regarding your child's junior and college tennis journey. So you can access those through the shop tab on ParentingAces.com, and we offer single consultations as well as packages at a discount. So for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode with Coach Ryan Carney. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Well, hello, Ryan Carney. Nice to see you again so soon. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to, to be here. I think we're going to cover some good information today, and, and I'm glad to be able to share my knowledge. Absolutely. Before we jump into our main topic of the day, which is what are showcases, what are exposure camps, what do kids need to be doing to be seen by college coaches, can you give our audience just kind of your brief background of how you got involved in tennis? Sure. Yeah. My mom, she was a high school coach for about 30 years and, and um, I'm from a small town and 
Um, there were a lot of good teams from that small town. <laughs> so I'm proud of that. To, first of all, um, I played tennis in college at, at Westminster College in Missouri, which is a great spot. Uh, we're famous for uh, Winston Churchill gave the Iron Curtain speech at Westminster. So I'm, I'm throwing in a plug there, I guess. Uh, but I, I enjoyed my time there. And then I became a college coach actually immediately after graduating um, from college um, at Missouri Valley. We started a new program um, and I'm in my 19th year um, currently. So uh, I've enjoyed being a college coach for all these years. I've, I've been able to meet a lot of players, uh, a lot of coaches, make a lot of friends. And, um, you know, we've really done very well. Our program, we're, we're fighting it out a little bit this year. Uh, but uh, overall, we've, we've done great. And it's been great to meet so many tennis uh, players, coaches and, and families. And uh, it, it's a fun job. So for those not familiar with Missouri Valley, tell us a little bit about your program. What division are y'all in? Which conference are y'all in? Um, you know, how how's your funding situation and, and how are y'all doing? So, so we're an NAI school um, in the Midwest. And depending on what part of the country you're, you're in, um, that can be pretty common or, or not too common. Um, on the East Coast, um, NAI is not very common at all. In the South, Midwest, California, there are a lot of a lot of NAI schools. So most of the schools that fall into that category would be schools on a little bit on the smaller side, like we have about 1,400 students. Um, but we do have some scholarship money for, for athletics, and we're by no means fully funded, and, and that would be pretty typical for NAI schools. But we are able to, to kind of put together some good packages that make things affordable for, for people. And um, we have a lot of international players. Um, people ask me sometimes, well, how, how do you have so many international players? Um, we're in a small town in the middle of Missouri, and believe it or not, not everyone wants to be in a small town in the middle of Missouri. <laughs> American players I'm always interested in, but sometimes that's a little bit of a, a deal breaker for them. Um, but, but we've had some great, great teams, and um, the, the college has been very supportive. We just got six new courts that are you know, just off campus, and we're enjoying that. So um, yeah, in, anyway, um, it, it's been great. Um, and, and as we'll discuss. I also have worked uh, with collegiate exposure camps for a long time now. Um, the first event I worked was in Canada, gosh, I don't know, 10 or 11 years ago. Um, and, and then we've progressed to having these camps at, at many, many great locations and, and UPenn uh, coming up this summer. So um, I'm, I'm glad to be the director of that now, in addition to my coaching duties. And, and we have a lot of great coaches to, to work with. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm Recruitable, which is the company that kind of is behind the collegiate exposure camps, is a partner of ours at Parenting Aces. So just disclaimer for that, but there's no financial arrangement. We just support each other's work. And um, and Ryan works with Tart Merchant of I'm Recruitable and, you know, puts these camps on every summer. And COVID kind of threw a monkey wrench in things, but it seems like things are getting back on track with in-person recruiting and camps and all of that. And so we thought it would be really helpful to all of you out there who have kids who want to play college tennis to kind of discuss the differences between exposure camps, showcases, going to camps on college campuses, and just being at tournaments and having college coaches watch you there because there seems to be a lot of confusion around that. And Ryan, you get questions every day, even though we did uh, Facebook Live a few weeks ago, uh, hoping to help people understand it, but we thought we should dig a little deeper into it today. Yeah, that, that sounds great. And, and just to, to be clear, like Tarek, he started I'm Recruitable and Collegiate Exposure Camps, and they're definitely like two separate entities. Um, but he did start both of them. And, and I, I appreciate the work he did. And, and I'm glad to kind of get to run things a little bit now on the on the camp side of things. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad to discuss all those topics today. 
Yeah, absolutely. And just for those of you watching the video version of this, I apologize for the video quality today. I've been relegated to the Outer Banks at my house to record. So um, please excuse that. But hopefully the audio portion is clear as usual. So Ryan, let's start by giving some definitions, uh, if you can. The differences between what is an exposure camp versus a showcase. Yeah, so, so our exposure camps um, relative to a showcase are going to be a little bit different in terms of how you interact with coaches. So um, at our camps, we, we typically have a three-day camp. And the, the first day and a half um, of the camp, based on our typical schedule, you're going to spend on the court with coaches um, doing drills. They're going to be giving you a lot of feedback in terms of things that you can do better or, or better ways to prepare for, for college tennis. So it's really a lot about development. Um, our, and, and let me interrupt. When you say coaches, you mean actual college coaches, active ones. Correct. Yeah. All, all our coaches are, are active college coaches and, and not just active college coaches, but from from great schools. I mean, this summer we have, um, you know, coaches from UPenn and Harvard and Amherst and multiple NESCAC schools, Swarthmore. I mean, a, a lot of really great schools and a lot of really great um, academic schools, you know, in, in addition to tennis. So, yeah, those are the the coaches that players would be working with directly on the court in terms of doing drills and, you know, uh, getting advice directly from those coaches. And so um, our camps, we normally, not normally, we always have uh, one coach for every four to five players, you know, so at a typical camp, we might have 80 players and around 20 coaches um, would be what we're, we're looking at. And, you know, the coaches, um, their, their objective for the camp is to help you become a better player, um, and also kind of just prepare for college tennis. And, um, that's a little bit different than a, than a showcase. Um, obviously the coach might see a player they're interested in, in terms of coming to their school, which is also a part of it, but a showcase is, is more about, um, you know, playing a set or playing a match and having coaches see you play, um, almost solely for the purpose of recruitment. Um, so that's a little bit different than, than what we do. And a showcase typically would have, you know, a, quite a few more coaches than what we have at an event. Um, so you potentially are going to be in front of um, more coaches, but it's, it's less about development and more about coaches just watching players um, who they're interested in. Um, and, and I don't want to speak ill of showcases. There are a lot of positives to um, going to a showcase. It's just much different in terms of the, the potential interaction that you have. And just to point out, a lot of the showcases, at least the good ones, also provide educational opportunities, not just for the players, but for the parents, too, to help them understand the recruiting process better. And, you know, I know y'all include that as well, but um, it is different because from the showcases point of view, you know, they're there mostly to provide an opportunity for players to be seen by college coaches and for the camps, your goal is really focused on the education and the development more than exposing potential recruits to coaches that might be interested in them. That is certainly a piece of it, but that's not the main focus of what you guys are doing. Am I saying that correctly? That's right. And I mean, we have players every year who attend camp and end up going to a school, uh, you know, of one of the coaches who, who was at camp. But um, that's not like our, our primary objective. You know, that just kind of happens to go along with with the camp in terms of the coaches working with players. So I, I guess that's a an added bonus. But 
it's really nice um, for the players to get a lot of um, good information, I, I guess, using an, an old phrase directly from the horse's mouth. You know, I mean, that, that's right. what they're um, with our camps. And um, also when we have, you know, talks and different things, um, we're not talking about, hey, one talk about college tennis for 30 minutes. I mean, we spend a, you know, a couple hours a day covering different topics off the court um, that are, are relevant for, for players interested in playing in college. Is there an age range that's appropriate for exposure camps versus showcases? Um, you know, I, I get that question a lot or, or just in general, like, oh, am I too young or is it too late or, or things like that? And, you know, in my estimation, obviously, there's a financial component involved as well. So that can uh, play a role. But um, it, it's it's hard to get started too early. I mean, if, if you go to a showcase and you're in the eighth or ninth grade, uh, are you going to get as much interest as if you're in the 10th or 11th grade? You know, probably not. Um, but at the same time, it kind of sets you down the path of understanding what you need to do, how you need to make connections um, and, and kind of preparing you for, for that process. And for our camps, um, you know, we have a lot of kids who are freshmen and sophomores. Eighth, eighth graders are welcome also. Um, but a lot of times people will wait until they're a junior or senior. And I don't feel like it's too late, but you know, if, if you're a sophomore and you're, you're getting started on things, I, I think that's great. And it's only going to help you uh, maybe narrow down um, what schools you might be interested in a little sooner. And, and I think that's always a good thing for, you know, helping you find a, a school that's the best fit for you. What about a range developmentally? Um, for example, you know, is, is there a UTR range that is appropriate for an exposure camp or a showcase or a USTA ranking or an ITF ranking? That, that reminds me m many years ago, um, actually one of our first camps in, in Canada, um, one of the players there, Greg, shout out to Greg, uh, <laughs> Greg ended up playing on my team and he told me after we played a, a match his freshman year, he goes, you know, coach, he goes, when when they had the camp in Canada, he said, one of the coaches said that anybody here can play college tennis. And he goes, you know, I looked at a few of the players and he goes, I wasn't too sure about that. And he goes, now that we played this team, we just played. He goes, that's that's 100 percent right. He goes, anybody here can play college tennis. So um, there, there are huge differences in, in levels depending on, um, you know, where you go to school. And so, um, you know, at our camps, we have players who are uh, four or five UTR and we have players who are a 12 UTR. Are, are those players going to be doing drills together on the, on the court? Definitely not. Um, but the idea that, you know, you need this certain UTR in order to be a college tennis player um, at a certain level. Yes. I mean, absolutely. That's a factor, but there are a lot of opportunities out there at, at different uh, colleges and universities. I mean, more or less for, for everyone. And, and um, I think that's important to, to recognize um, the tricky part a little bit is sometimes that um, it can be tricky to find a match in terms of your level and your academic desires. So um, a lot of the, the schools who participate in our camps are very prestigious academically and, um, almost without fail, those types of schools have very strong tennis teams. And so uh, on occasion, maybe there's a player who is a fit in terms of tennis, but academically, it's a little bit of a challenge. Or maybe there's a player who's a fit in terms of academics, but tennis wise, it's a little bit of a challenge. So um, definitely, you know, you want to explore all your options. And, and there are a lot of options and, and a lot of places that can be a good fit for almost everyone. And, and I think that's important to, to recognize. Um, in, in relation to a showcase a little bit, um, that's one thing that I, I like a little bit better about our camps is that um, if you go to a showcase, sorry, my 
um, cameras moving. If you go to a showcase and you're a little bit lower UTR, um, you may come away with minimal interest or minimal interaction with coaches and feeling a little bit discouraged. And um, sometimes, you know, there's no reason to be discouraged. It just maybe wasn't the match for you um, at the event or, or maybe maybe there are coaches there and you talk to three or four coaches. Um, but I, I guess I would say whether you attend an exposure camp or a showcase, um, if it doesn't go perfectly as planned, you know, stay the course in terms of finding your school. And I also want to take this opportunity to remind everybody about the Universal Tennis College Fit Tool, because as Ryan's saying, there is a place in college tennis for pretty much everyone who wants to play. It's just a matter of finding the right school and finding the balance of academics and tennis level that work for you. And excuse me, the Universal Tennis website, if you go to universaltennis.com and type in the search bar college fit tool, you can put your UTR in and it'll pull up a list of schools where you would fit within their top six players. And so that's a really helpful way to kind of start the process of which schools might be a good fit for me tennis wise. And then you can start to do your research on the academics and and the size of the town and and the other um, pieces of choosing the right college for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that that's definitely a, a good starting point. And a lot of players, you know, including myself, if UTR would have existed at the time, you always want to kind of stretch to that next level. Okay. And that, that's good that you, you feel that way. But um, the, the first thing I would say is that UTR is important, but it's by no means the end of the world on who coaches are looking for um, in, in terms of the recruiting process. But with that said, if, if I have, you know, six players on my team and the UTRs range from nine and a half to 11 um, and you're a 9.4, um, that doesn't mean that I have no interest in you or another coach has no interest in you, but realistically the coach is probably looking for another 10 or a 10 and a half or 11. They're probably not looking for a 9.4. And maybe you have some traits in terms of your, your attitude and work ethic. And you've only been playing for three years, um, that the coach says, Oh yeah, this is going to be a great player for us potentially, even if they're a little bit lower. Um, but you kind of have to look at it from, from both sides when you're, you're considering, uh, you know, what schools might be a fit. Well, and I say this all the time, coaches are always looking to recruit new number ones. They're not looking to recruit right. new number sixes. Exactly. Because sometimes people say, well, you lost your number five and six. You need a new five and six. And I'm like, no, I need a new two. And I want the other people to be five and six. So, no, yeah. you're, you're correct. And I, I will say, though, there are exceptions. I mean, my my men's team, I, I rarely even look at UTR for my own team. But our, our highest player is something like 11.3. And then our, our number six players probably... I don't know, nine and a half to 10, but the player that I have playing uh, number six right now, I haven't looked at his UTR, but just based on, we just got back from Hilton head, some players that he beat. He was a flat eight when he started um, in the fall and he's a freshman. I mean, he was 8.0 and now he's probably nine, five, at least maybe close to 10. I haven't looked. Um, but, but the point is, um, you can't sell yourself short because of, of UTR. Um, he's a guy that I didn't anticipate being in the top six. He worked really hard. He practiced outside of practice. Um, he needs to lift weights a little more if he's watching, uh, <laughs> but he's, he's doing great. And I mean, uh, anybody outside observer, if, if they looked at the guys we had and they're like, oh, this guy's a freshman and he's an 8.0, it would, you would think like he has no chance. Well, here he is number six and he just won a clinching match for us in the, in the last match we played. So, um, you know, you can't strictly go by UTR, obviously. 
Sure, sure. And I say this all the time too. coaches, college coaches are smart. They, they know that they're factors outside of somebody's rating or ranking that will affect how well that player does in their team environment. So, but you know, we got to start somewhere. So that college fit tool, like I said, is a great jumping off point just to form your big list. And I always advise this, your big list is like a hundred schools. You know, you've got some reach schools, you've got some, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could get in, but maybe not. And then you've got your sure fits and, I think it's really important uh, through the recruiting process to make sure that you're reaching out to a variety of schools and a variety of coaches because you never know who's looking for a new player and where your particular playing style and your particular personality and your particular academic uh, credentials will fit in. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get back to the camps. Can you um, talk us through a typical day at collegiate exposure camp? Yeah. So when we start off on, um, on Friday, we have, we have two camps at UPenn this summer that are uh, Friday to Sunday. And when we start off on Friday, we kind of do some, some drills that um, we're, we're trying to see if anyone's out of place in terms of who they're hitting with. And so we, we use UTR to kind of separate people in the beginning, but, but last year I remember there was a, uh, a girl from California. I think her UTR was a five, and if you ask me what it was, I'd say it was a 7.5. Um, mm-hmm. And we quickly saw that she was not in the correct group. Okay. Um, so we do some things for the first, you know, hour, hour and a half to kind of make sure that we've got people in a, in a reasonably good place. And then um, from there, we, we move on to, um, you know, doing more drills that the coaches use in practice. We, we try to make it um, emulate the college environment as, as much as possible in terms of drills that coaches actually use in their practice. So I'm the director of the camp, but Ultimately, it's the other college coaches who determine what we're doing in, in terms of drills. And so uh, we run through some of those drills. We get started in the morning. Uh, you know, we'll have lunch. We have a, you know, hour and a half or so of, of talks. And, you know, when I hear sometimes, uh, you know, oh, gosh, an hour and a half of talks. That sounds painful, you know, <laughs> and I really I've heard a lot of the speeches multiple times or, or just different topics covered by coaches and to anybody interested in tennis or college tennis, like it's very much of interest. And so um, if players would hear that and they say, oh, I feel like I'm going to school, uh, I, I think generally the feeling is that it's, it's very, uh, you know, impactful and beneficial in terms of what the coaches have to say. I, I feel that way. And I've been a college coach for 19 years, you know, so um, our feedback on that has been really good. Um, you know, in the afternoon, we get back on the court. Um, doing some more drills and things. And then um, when we get into to day two, um, our schedule changes a little bit in, in terms of um, drills and talks. And we get into a little bit more of um, college matches, um, college style matches. And so you'll be assigned to a team and your team will have a few different coaches while you're there. A lot of times teams have two coaches. So you're going to interact with different coaches that are your direct coach, as well as your uh, the coaches of your opposing team. And basically the, the coaches just treat it like they would a college match. So you warm up as a team. They talk to you before the match. You know, this these are the things we want to try to do in doubles. We talk after the doubles. This is what we need to work on. Now we're moving into singles. We want to focus on this. And it's it's very much a, a team environment um, as far as encouraging your teammates as well, which is a, a big part of college tennis. And so, um, you know, overall in the, in the three-day event, um, I think it's a great um, – uh, introduction to kind of what college tennis is really like. We had a, an event in, uh, at the national campus in December and uh, a coach who'd, who's been a coach for uh, many years, Jerome, I won't say how many years you've been coaching. I'm not sure. Um, he came up to me afterwards and he goes, Hey, this is just like college tennis, you know? And, and for me, like that's the best thing I can 
here. And, and so that's kind of what we're, we're trying to emulate. And then obviously if, if the players, you know, make a few connections uh, along the way that that's of, of great benefit as well. But I think one of the things that's um, really great is we're fortunate to, to have the camps at great locations. Like we had at the national campus, we're having at UPenn this summer and having at those places for me, you know, having been a, a million tennis related places is exciting and motivating. And I think that's especially true for the players. So, um, you know, do they benefit from what actually happens at camp? You know, absolutely. But I think one of the biggest things is they walk away excited about tennis and excited about college tennis, which, you know, is, is worth a whole lot. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing I want to point out is you talk about how, the coaches are running drills similar to what they do with their college teams. What I, I was shocked at, and I think my son was surprised at when he started going through the recruiting process, was the drills aren't any different. It's the same stuff you've been doing. What's different is the intensity, right? And the hype um, during drills, like the guys or the girls really pushing each other to do well, cheering each other on during drills, which you don't get in junior tennis when you're just going to the court for your daily drill group. You know, it's a different environment, a different atmosphere. No, for sure. And, and I mean, our, our coaches that we have worked at camps, like I, I start to put something together before about like things they've done, you know, whether that's one national titles or big 10 titles or national coach of the year, or things like that. I mean, that's just off the top of my head thinking of three or four people. Um, and so those coaches know how to motivate people and, and get people moving. And especially from the aspect of a team, which is a little bit different than, than what you're used to in the junior setting. So no, I absolutely. I agree hundred percent. What advice, Ryan, do you have to the kids attending camps and showcases in terms of making sure they're putting their best self forward? Um, you know, the, the first thing is, like, I, I always think it's good to, you know, reach out to coaches of schools you're potentially interested in before camp. And so, you know, you, you say send them an email and say, hey, I see you're going to be at camp or I see you're going to be at the showcase um, you know, I'm glad to be be uh, a part of the event. And I just wanted to let you know that I have an interest in your school. And, um, you know, I, I hope to meet you there. And and then when the player goes there, just walk up to the coach and say, hey, I sent you an email, you know, I'm interested in your school, or, or I would like to learn more about it. And I just wanted to introduce myself. So um, I, I think that's a good um, step number one. Um, the, the second thing is, is that let me stop you there one second, because that's, that's huge, right? That is a player taking initiative reaching out to these coaches and marketing themselves to the coaches to let them know, Hey, I'm interested in you. We're both going to be at this event. Let's connect there and get to know each other a little bit. And I think that's really important for players to do. The other thing I want to add is that at the events, the coaches will be wearing their school gear. So you'll know, even if you have never met this coach before or never been to one of their matches and seen them, you'll know who they are based on what they're wearing. So at least make sure you familiarize yourself with school logos and school colors so that you don't go up to, let's say, the Florida coach and think it's the Georgia coach, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I I don't know if I've heard of that happening, but I guess it is entirely possible. Uh, that would, I mean, Realistically, there are going to be times when you, a player, may be interested in the school, and the coach has very limited interests, um, and, and for whatever reason. But the, I, I don't know many coaches that are going to fault the player for, you know, saying I'm interested in your school and coming up and introducing themselves. I mean, um, you know, they're going to see that as a positive, even if it might not potentially be a fit for for whatever reason. 
what information do the coaches get at the at the camps on in terms of the players? Do, I mean, obviously they get a list of names, but are they getting details about the players as well? So, so for a showcase, you would get more details. I mean, our, our camp isn't as, is focused on, on that part of things. And so, um, a, a little bit less information, uh, potentially, um, we use UTRs to, um, kind of divide players up, you know, and, and, and when we have our camps, like the coaches are aware of the players, um, UTRs, um, but that's not something that we share with the players at all, because we don't really to, to be the emphasis. Um, so the, the coaches would have that information just in terms of making sure the groups are correct and things like that. And then obviously, you know, that may play a role in if they have an interest in a player and, and, and that type of stuff. Um, and, and then of course, you know, if players reach out, um, you know, they're more than welcome to, to share more information in terms of their academics and, and that type of stuff. And um, like I said, our, our focus of our camps is really on development, but it, it's, it's impossible not to have the other part kind of, come in a little bit, you know, and, and like I said, we've had a lot of players who end up going to schools from, um, you know, coaches from our camps um, and, and showcases again, that that's probably more the emphasis. Um, but I, I don't know. It, it's I'm, I'm somewhat biased, obviously, in, in terms of this um, to some degree, but um, like showcases, it's more focused on that, but depending on the player, they may come to our event and have far more interaction in that sense than they would at a showcase, you know, um, for other, they're going to go to a showcase and have far more recruiting interest than they would potentially at, at one of our camps, um, just because there's more coaches there. Um, so that's going to vary a little bit depending on the player. Well, the reason I asked that question, Ryan, is because I just kind of want to make sure that the listeners understand when you reach out to coaches, it's important that you include things like your rating and ranking, of course, but also your graduation year, your GPA, any test scores, SAT, ACT, PSAT, if you're younger, um, so that the coaches know a little bit more about you and can determine if your graduation year is going to have a spot for you. And I think that's, you know, something that a lot of players forget to do is include that other information. They all know to include their name and their age and their their rating, but sometimes they forget to include the academic side and the year that they're actually going to be coming onto campus as a freshman. Yeah, and, and our coaches do have access to their graduation years as well. Um, but absolutely, I mean, that that's important. And, um, you know, at our events, and, and I would say, you know, showcases and other camps as well, um, a majority of the players are very strong academically, you know, and, and being strong academically is, you know, obviously gives you a lot more options than if you're not strong academically. Um, but at the same time, a lot of, there are a lot of schools that are, there's a lot of competition in, in terms of, of getting into the school. Sorry, I'm having camera problems here. Um, there, there's a lot of competition in terms of getting into school. So, I mean, you can be very strong academically and maybe just not quite make the cut, uh, you know, in, in terms of things. And so all that is very important, um, you know, to share with coaches. And, um, you know, a lot of players will have a, a profile um, online. You know, there, there are definitely good places to do that. You mentioned, mentioned I'm recruitable at the beginning. Um, is a place to do that where it makes it easier to kind of share that Im important information. For sure. So let's talk about when to do a showcase and when to do an exposure camp. Let's say you've got a kid who is a rising ninth grader. At what point is it beneficial for them to be at a camp 
versus being at a showcase or vice versa? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's hard for me to answer either or, you know, I, I mean, I, I think both, um, you know, have their their benefits. Um, I do know that, you know, having been involved in some showcases in the past, um, you know, you're going to have more people walk away from the showcase who maybe didn't get the level of interest they wanted or didn't get to talk to as many coaches as they wanted, um, which with our camps pretty much never happens. I, I mean, since I've been the director, I've, I've really had any zero complaints about that. So there, there is a little bit of a risk with a showcase in terms of not having that interaction that, that you want to have with coaches or you, or you garner interest, but it's not really from the schools who you are interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so uh, on the positive side for showcases, there, there are a lot of coaches there. And um, I, I think one thing, you know, since COVID um, came along and, and I, it shouldn't really be an issue too much moving forward, but I think you want to know if you're going to a showcase too, how many coaches are actually going to be at the showcase, not just virtually. Um, I, I think that, you know, boots on the ground actually at the event are, are important. And I think that should be getting back to, to normal at this point. But I mean, a showcase is a great opportunity to be in front of a, a whole lot of coaches and, and show them what you can do. And um, we all know when we talk to players and we talk to parents, um, it's very common to hear, oh, my UTR is really higher than, than what it is. Um, so here you go. Sh- sh- show us. Show us. OK. Um, so I, I think that's you know one benefit of a showcase uh, potentially as well. And it, it may be something that you were planning on asking about. But in relation to um, UTR ratings and having matches recorded and that type of stuff, um, that is one difference, too, between our events and a showcase. Um, you know, a showcase, you're playing a set or a match and potentially that could be recorded for UTR. It depends on the showcase a little bit. I think some do and some don't. Um, our events, we previously did record um, results for UTR and we, we no longer do. And once in a while, when I talk to parents, um, they will be a little bit concerned about that. And they'll say, well, you know, we really need to get some matches recorded for UTR, which I agree. Um, I mean, if the more matches you can get in there and get an accurate rating, um, that's great. But for our events, it really works much better um, not to have the matches recorded because we work much more, um, you know, from a team aspect of things. And then our coaches are asking players to make changes, uh, to their game while they're, while they're at camp. So, you know, maybe you need to do a better job of moving in on short balls or or whatever it might be. And I feel like it's asking a lot of the player to be trying these new things when the matches count for UTR. And so, um, for us, it's really been a big benefit for our camps um, not to include um, those matches in UTR. And then, you know, if I'm being honest, you, you kind of get some fandom injuries and different things like that. Um, so it, it's been really great for us to avoid that a little bit and, and then also be able to, um, you know, have players accept coaching without the concern of, you know, hey, this is this might negatively affect my UTR. So it, it's been good for us to, to do it that way. Well, it's interesting because I remember when y'all's matches did count toward UTR, was there a particular something that happened that caused you to make that change? Um, not, I wouldn't say particular something. I mean, we just had a few issues with, you know, in, injuries uh, and, and different things. I mean, um, backdraw flu, right? We see it all the time at junior tournaments where, you know, gosh, if I lose to this guy, my UTR is going to drop. So um, I think I'm sick. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and again, though, the, the coaching aspect of it and trying new things. And I, I mean, there's so much perfect sense to me, like so I, what you're saying among players and parents that like, players feel pressure, you know, and, and that's okay. They're going to feel pressure in the college environment as well. 
Um, but sometimes in a, a little bit more of a learning environment, it's it's uh, helpful to have them feel you know more relaxed. And and I think that's definitely the case. Um, you know, with us not recording the matches. Yeah, certainly. And you know, we talk a lot about finding balance, right? And when you are learning something new, you know, you don't want to test it out in a situation that counts for something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Brian, what else do we need to know? I feel like I'm missing questions here and maybe it's just because it's early in the morning for me and my coffee hasn't fully kicked in. <laughs> so so I, I made a few notes. So I'm going to peek at this to, to see. Oh, good. And, and so one, one thing is like our, our camps, uh, our camps at UPenn are $1,200 for three days. And uh, we have a lot of people that sign up. We, we more or less sell out every year uh, for both those camps. And once in a while, I get somebody that said, oh, my gosh, the cost, you know. Um, and, and so our camps are a little bit more expensive than, than other camps. Um, and part of that is because of the, the coaching staff that, that we have. I mean, we have I, I mentioned earlier, but I, I made a list, list here. Penn, Harvard, Amherst. We have several NESCAC schools, Swarthmore, Haverford, Fordham, Binghamton. Um, you can see who's coming to each camp um, on the website. Um, but I mean, we pay our coaches to, to work the camp. So, I mean, potentially they're they're looking for players, but, you know, they're working this as, as kind of a job, too, and, and looking to help everybody. Um, you know, even if they're not a potential recruit for their school. So um, that, that adds to the cost a little bit. We have it at, at great places like UPenn. And the, the way that I think about it, and I think is the way that you should think about it, is that um, a lot of these players are going to go to very high academic schools, uh, many of which are costly. And you're getting ready to spend tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars on your education in four years. And if spending a little more money to come to our camp helps you make the right decision or find the right place, uh, it, it's the, the extra cost is minimal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing that I try to explain to people in, in terms of the, um, in terms of the cost. Um, I think it's also important to, you know, any camp that you attend, um, we try to provide as much information as possible in terms of, you know, what schools are going to be there. Um, our ratio of coaches, which are all college coaches is, four or five to one, um, for players. And I, I think it's important to know that, you know, is there one coach for every four or five players? Is there one coach for every 10 players? Are all those coaches college coaches or are just a few college coaches and the rest other people? Um, so I, I think those are important things, um, to know. And, uh, yeah, I, I think the other things I have listed here, we've kind of covered in terms of, you know, education, uh, trying to provide the college environment and, and a little bit about, you know, recording or not recording, um, UTR matches, but there, there are a lot of options out there for, for camp and, you know, their camp or, or showcases and, um, different events may be, you know, a better fit for, for different players. Um, but I think we've got a, a lot of positives and especially for those kids who are, you know, very high academic, um, looking for those types of schools. I mean, I, I think our event is, is hard to beat in, in that sense. Let's talk nuts and bolts for one second. If a kid is traveling to UPenn to come to a collegiate exposure camp, somebody's picking them up at the airport, they've got so lodging, meals, all that. Prior prior to COVID, um, our events, we offered like a commuter option and a, and a residential option. And unfortunately, at this point, we're still just able to offer the commuter option um, for this summer. And, and so they would be responsible for hotels and, and we provide lunch, but the uh, other meals um, as well. And um, when we first had to do that, I was a little bit concerned about how it might affect attendance and those types of things. But, you know, a lot of people just kind of make a little vacation of it. And and uh, it's it's really hasn't been a big issue 
um, you know, since, since we've been limited in, in being able to, uh, you know, provide accommodations and things. So that means that typically a parent or parents are traveling with the players because they've got to stay in a hotel and they've got to be able to get back and forth and kids can't rent a car and yada, yada. So is there something for the parents as part of the camp or is this a player focused event only? Yeah. So, so we, we do have a a little bit of a seminar um, for the parents to kind of talk about, um, you know, tennis, tennis things that I'm fired uh, about tennis things that we think they need to know. Um, and, and so that is a, a part of the camp as well. I would say it's, it's more focused on the, on the players. Um, we last year had some limitations in terms of um, parents not being able to stick around uh, because of the COVID protocols of UPenn. Um, I don't, I don't anticipate that to be the, the case this year. I, I expect parents are going to be able to, you know, stick around and, and watch if they'd like, or, or listen to the talks and things like that. Um, that's a little bit out of our control. It's kind of whatever UPenn's policies are, but based on what I know at this point, barring some changes, um, I expect parents to, to be able to stick around. So um, on one hand, it's player focused. On the other hand, um, we do provide that um, for parents in terms of, you know, some good information that we think is relevant. And then also, you know, they're welcome to kind of stick around and listen to some of the talks from the coaches and watch the drills and, and that type of stuff. So um, potentially it's a lot of good information for them as well. Mm-hmm. Do you want the parents to stick around or is your preference for the parents to drop the kid off and go enjoy the town? Yeah, yeah, that's a funny question. Um, really, well, I have... Listen, we're our audience is mostly tennis parents. So let's be straight up with them about, you know, what their role is here. I have, I have zero issue with parents sticking around. If, if you're on the fence on every court, your your son or daughter is on, or you're 10 feet from them all the time, that's probably not very beneficial, but uh, I would say, you know, feel welcome to stick around, but probably at a distance a little bit, you know, um, where the, where the player kind of feels relaxed. And I mean, we do, we do different things as well. Like in, in terms of making it like a college environment, like when we divide up into teams, they all have to like, create cheers that they do before the match and, and a lot, a lot of things that are fun and some a little silly. And uh, sometimes the players I feel like will relax and come out of their shell a little bit more if mom and dad aren't there. Um, but I mean, I have zero issues with, with parents being there as, as long as they're not, you know, like I said, on the fence. <laughs> what about parent interaction with the college coaches at your events? Yeah. So, so basically we have, when we have check-in or when they pick uh, players up at the end of the day, we'll definitely have player uh, parents who will talk to the college coaches. And I mean, um, that's no issue. And I, I think the co- coaches, uh, you know, are, are glad to talk to the parents, you know, in most instances. And um, so there is some interaction. It's, it's not necessarily, you know, designed that, Hey, this is the hour where you talk to college coaches, but um, you know, there, there is that opportunity uh, for sure. If, if uh, that's something parents are interested in. So for a parent that is considering traveling with their child to one of your camps this summer, pros and cons of hanging out all day versus dropping the kid off and you letting know, them I, do their thing. I guess if you if you force me to say what should you do, I, I would say that probably be stay part of the day. You know, like I, I think staying all day is probably a, a little much. It's not going to hurt anything if you do. Um, but being gone all day, I mean, you can kind of look at our schedule when, when you check in or, or it's on our website, what our schedule is and, and see like what you think might be beneficial. You know, if we're given having talks from, you know, 1230 to two or whatever it is, maybe that would be a, a good time. Um, and, and so I, I would say, you know, look at the schedule and see what might be beneficial in terms of a parent um, 
but yeah, I mean, probably not all day, probably not gone the whole day. And, and if you are gone the whole day, it's zero issue whatsoever, you know? <laughs> and, and I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there from my own personal experience and conversations that I've had with college coaches. And that is the coaches want to get to know the players at this stage of the game, you know, getting to know the parents isn't really that important. It's more important that they get to know the kid and kind of get a sense of does that player fit in with their team culture? Does that player have the drive and desire to do what the coach needs them to do once they get on campus? You know, as you get later in the recruiting process, that's where the parent, you know, needs to kind of step in and ask the tough questions of the coaches and make sure that they understand the details of any offers that are coming or anything like that. But early on in the process, Honestly, you know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but you know, what I hear is the coaches really want to get to know the players. No, hundred percent. I mean, that that's totally accurate. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, coaches definitely don't mind talking to parents, but oh, no. if, it, if it's 20 rapid fire questions, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's probably not uh, a positive for your son or daughter, you know, if that, if that's your conversation with the coach. I mean, if, if I'm being realistic. Right. And I want to encourage the parents out there. If you do have questions about college recruiting and how it works, please schedule a consult with me. This is, I do this every day and would love to talk to you. I have no skin in the game. And it's important that parents understand the role of the coach during recruiting, the role of the player during recruiting, and the role of the parent during recruiting. So please do reach out and schedule that. Well, and and, and the, the one thing that I would add to that, I mean, definitely it helps to have someone, you know, experienced like yourself who can provide a lot of good information and, and unbiased information. That's great. Um, the, the one thing I would add is that the, the one thing that coaches, we all have a big smile or eye roll, I'm not sure which, but it is when I, I talk to parents all the time about camps and they have questions about camps or about the coaches coming or whatever it is. And I'm, I'm always glad to do that. And I think a lot of times after our calls, the parents feel better and they're like, Oh, okay, I, this is a, this is it. Um, but I always want to provide them with, you know, the most accurate information possible. And one thing that I hear sometimes that I, I cringe a little is that, well, or UTR is this, but she was injured and this happened and that happened and these things happened. And, like the last thing any coach wants to hear is like excuses and that whether that's from a player or from a parent, um, I, I think that's universal and, but something that happens pretty commonly. And I would be the first one to say that, you know, we're kind of getting out of it now. It seems like hopefully the COVID time, there are definitely players whose UTRs are not accurate and coaches understand that. And I think players and parents understand that, but generally speaking, coaches don't want to hear a story about, a bum ankle and you fought through and then this happened and that happened. And I I mean, just a general statement that I'm certain is true. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. Cause I, I mean, that's funny that you say that because I always tell people, you know, if you have been out injured for an extended period of time, make sure that you let coaches know that, you know, there's, there's a gap in my, my schedule because of this. Not well, an excuse, but more of an explanation. Yeah, and I think there's a difference in those things. You know what I mean? Like, like that. I mentioned the girl we had from California last year, and her UTR was totally off. Um, it, it's okay to say, you know, hey, I haven't been playing in UTR tournaments. I haven't been offered in my area, or I was injured and I haven't been able to play. It's kind of when you get into the details of um, excuses. Yeah. That's where it's more of an issue, I think. The, the other, yeah, no problem. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Um, 
What else do we need to know, Ryan? Tell us how people get more information on the camps, how they sign up, and the dates of the camps this summer. Yeah, so our, our website is um, collegiateexposurecamps.com. A lot of times the parents and uh, players will ask me, well, what, what coaches are coming? And we try to keep that list really updated online. So um, I, I just added Amherst for our gym camp. Actually, Harvard too, but Harvard's already on the website. I've got to uh, add Amherst here right now uh, for our June camp. And so um, you can get that information there about um, players that shows our schedule, kind of what we do every day. Um, but yeah, it's, it's collegiateexposurecamps.com. And then um, our email is tennis at collegiatecamps.com. And um, that's comes directly to me. And I'm more than happy to, you know, have a phone call with parents if they have more questions or, or things like that. Um, our events at UPenn are June 24th through the 26th and July 22nd through the 24th. So um, looking, looking forward to those. Definitely. We've, we've already got a lot of signups. Um, our price is a, a little bit lower if you sign up before April 1st, which you can see on the website um, as well. Awesome. And is there a cap on the number of players that you accept? Um, yeah, I, I won't say it's a hard cap, but there's a cap. So we, we have 20 courts at UPenn and usually we'll have, you know, at, at a maximum, uh, around 80, I think our first camp last year, we kind of pushed it to 85 and did a little juggling to make that work. Um, but, uh, yeah, generally something in that range. Um, like I said, we might adjust a little the schedule to kind of, uh, get a few more in, but right in, right in that area, as far as the number of players. Perfect. We will have a link to collegiate exposure camps in the show notes on parentingaces.com, as well as Ryan's email address that he just mentioned. So you'll be able to just click on that and get the information you need. Um, Don't forget, if you are interested, sign up now because the price goes up after April 1st. And we want everybody to be able to save money if possible. That's always a good thing in junior tennis. Definitely, definitely. And and again, I'm more than happy to, to talk with parents, I feel like a lot of times a five or 10 minute conversation goes a long way. So definitely reach out if if you have more questions. I love that. Well, Ryan, it's nice to see you. Um, Thanks for coming and doing this. I know you get a lot of questions about the differences between camps and showcases. I get a lot of questions about the differences in camps and showcases. And so I'm happy that we had the opportunity to shed a little light on that for the Parenting Aces community. And for all of you watching or listening, thank you for tuning in. We will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.